Uh, my name is Spence. I'm one of the pastors here at Mercy. So glad you're here with us today. We got a special, special service um, that I, I think you've already seen that and a special sermon for you right now. All right, here's what's really cool. Uh, well, there's this thing that we do at Mercy Church because we believe 2 Timothy 2.2 that we are called by God, just as Paul called Timothy, to train up others who will be able to teach God's word and then train up others. We believe that's a calling as a local church. And so we have a something that we have here called the ministry residency. Uh, it's a two-year program uh, where men and women come, they raise their own support to be here, and they're being trained and equipped in ministry uh, to go out as ministers of the gospel after those two years. And today, we have our first ever sermon by one of our ministry residents. And we're pumped. We're excited about it. So Brett Bolden is going to be preaching for us. He's one of our college ministry residents. Uh, I've had the privilege and joy of getting to know Brett and his wife Marley over the past couple of years. Brett was one of our college students and is now in our residency and we believe the Lord has his hand on him and has great things in store for him and it's just a, an honor to get to be a part of what the Lord is doing through through Brett. Uh, listen, as you hear this sermon and over the course of today, if you know someone who a couple of years alongside of a church might be good for them in their next step in ministry, have them reach out to us. We'd love to explain more about what we have going on here. But Without further ado, I can't wait for you to hear this word he has for us. Welcome, Brett Bolden, up to the pulpit. Thank you, man. Wow. Thank you, Pastor Spence. Um, good morning, Mercy Church. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I am so excited and just honored, and it's such a privilege to be preaching uh, to you this morning. Uh, but I would love to start our time in prayer because if the Lord doesn't speak through me, then everything I say here doesn't matter. So let me start uh, in prayer. Lord Jesus, I love you and you are uh, so good to us. I thank you for bringing us through this year. Thank you for your faithfulness to us, God. God, I pray today that brothers and sisters who are listening to this would be encouraged and reminded of how beautiful you are and how good you are to us. I pray that if people are hurting right now, Lord, then it would remind them that you are not done working, that you're still moving. God, I pray that if people are listening to this right now who don't know you, that you would show them that you love them. So speak through me, God, I trust you. Work through me, Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, as Pastor Spence said, my name is Brett Bolden, and I am a college resident here at Mercy Church. And for those of you who don't know me, I thought it would be necessary to introduce myself a little bit. Um, so I grew up not too far from here, um, from Indian Trail, just down the road. And I was uh, born and raised uh, in the church. Both my dad and my grandfather were pastors. And so I've got Sunday school running through my veins. That being said, it wasn't until about six years ago that I actually started taking my faith seriously. And so for the first part of my life, and this is really before high school, what I would say is that I was a rule follower to a T. And so more than anything else, what was most important to me was doing the right things in order to earn favor from my teachers, from my coaches, and from my parents. And if I didn't do that, I was absolutely crushed. In fact, there was this, there was this one time where I was with my brother-in-law, and I was about 10 years old at the time, and we were riding down Highway 74 in his Ford F-150, 
And he asked me if I wanted to put a lip of tobacco in for the very first time. And so foolishly, I ended up saying yes, and I put a skull mint pouch into my bottom lip. Well, it was about 15 seconds later that my 85-pound body was spinning, and I knew I had made a mistake. And so long story short, I got home. I immediately broke down and was crying. I told my mom and dad what I had done, and I spent the next hour on the couch crying as my buzz wore off. The rule follower in me was crushed because I knew I had made a mistake. I had done the wrong thing. And then as I got older, my interest shifted, and I became a bit of a rule breaker rather than a rule follower. And what happened was that I began to have these things in my life that were more important to me than anything else. These were things like my reputation, uh, things like my relationships, money, and comfort. Rather than caring about following the rules, I began to care about having all these things in my life, even if it meant turning away from God, even if it meant turning away from my parents, because I I believed that they gave my life meaning. But I was wrong. You see, about six years ago, everything changed for me. I was sitting in my grandfather's office just one week after my grandmother had passed away, and I found myself spilling out all of the ways in which my life felt like it was falling apart. The relationships, the money, the comfort, they weren't cutting it. I had tried to follow the rules when I was younger, only to find out that I would always fail. I had lost my sense of joy, and I was lonely. But then my grandfather introduced me to someone who changed my life. And that person's name is Jesus. And in that conversation, my grandfather, as he was sitting there introducing me to Jesus, I realized something that I want to tell you today. And that thing is that Jesus is better. Jesus is better. This is the title of my sermon, and it's the one thing that I'm praying that you would hold on to as you go into this new year. And so the passage of scripture that we're going to be looking at is found in Luke 18. So if you have your Bible, you can go ahead and open it up. If you left it in another room, that's okay. You can go grab it. You're going to need it. Some of you may be familiar with the passage of scripture that we're going to be talking about. It's the one about the rich ruler. Matthew and Mark call him the rich young man. And it's got the verse about the camel and the eye of the needle. Like, what the heck does that even mean? Basically, there's this young guy, and he's got everything going on. He's got a ton of money. He's a ruler, so he has a ton of success. He's got friends. He's got land. Dwight Schrute would love this guy. And the ruler comes to Jesus with a really good question. And what he hears from Jesus is something that he wasn't ready for. And y'all, as I've been thinking about this passage, I can't can't help but think, This is my story. This is exactly what my life was like. And what I feel like the Lord has been telling me this week is that for many of you listening, this story is your story too. And so I want you to dial in right now and listen to what the Lord has for you here in this text. I believe that God has you watching this service for a reason, and I believe that reason is for you to see that Jesus is better. And so let's dive in. We're going to be looking at Luke 18, starting with uh, Luke 18 through uh, 18 through 22. It says this, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not murder. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. 
And he said, all these I've kept from my youth. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. The first point I wanna make to you today is this. Jesus is better than our doing. Jesus is better than our doing. Another way to say this is Jesus is better than our earning for him, than our trying to work our way into earning his love. So let's go through this verse by verse, starting with verse 18. It says, and a ruler asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? So just like I said, this guy comes up to Jesus and he's got it all going on. And he asked Jesus a really good question. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Like he didn't come asking Jesus, hey Jesus, what can I do to become more wealthy? Or what can I do to become more famous? Or what can I do to advance my political agenda? He asked Jesus something that is of eternal significance. Good teacher, how can I inherit eternal life? Verse 19, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, what Jesus is doing here is rather than just answering the ruler's question, he wants to get to the heart of why he's asking the question in the first place. And the reason he's doing this is because he knows that the ruler isn't so much concerned about Jesus, he's concerned about what he can get from Jesus. This ruler was looking at Jesus like a magic genie who was there to grant his wishes for him. And Jesus sees right through it because he knows this man. Jesus isn't a genie, he's the one who created him. And this is how he replies, verse 20. You know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And he said, all these things I've kept from my youth. So what Jesus is referring to here when he's talking about the commandments is the, the 10 commandments from uh, the books of Exodus and Deuteronomy. And these are laws that God gave Moses on Mount Sinai so that Israel would have a code to live holy lives of obedience and devotion to God. And just like Jesus said, these laws include things like, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor your father and mother. And like me, when I was younger, this ruler is a rule follower. And he says, I've kept all these laws. He says to Jesus, Jesus, look at my track record. I've never slept with someone else's wife. I've always honored my father and mother. I respect them. They use my Netflix account. And I certainly have never murdered anyone. And if we're being honest, as far as these laws go, he was blameless. By today's standards, this ruler was probably someone who we'd wanna have in leadership at the church. He's probably someone who from the outside looking in, you would wanna model your life after. But what I wanna show you from this interaction is that this ruler's rule following wasn't actually flowing from a heart of love for God. Rather, it was coming from a heart that wanted to earn God's favor by performing good deeds. And so if you look back at verse 21, you'll notice that as Jesus is listing off these commandments for the ruler to keep, he leaves out a commandment that this ruler would have certainly known to be the most important in the entire law. In Deuteronomy 6, there's a prayer that's called the Shema, which translated in Hebrew literally means to listen, to hear, to obey. This is music to a rule follower's ears. And this prayer is one of the most famous prayers in the Jewish tradition. And so it's probably safe to assume that this ruler had every word of it memorized. And this is what it says, Deuteronomy 6, 4 and 5. It says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. 
Jesus himself says in Matthew 22 that this commandment to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and might is the greatest commandment of all. It was common knowledge to the Jews. And so in this moment of Jesus listing off the commandments, it would have made sense for the ruler to say, wait a second, Jesus, am I missing something here? You've left out the greatest commandment. But that's not what he says. He says, I've kept all these commandments. And look at what Jesus says in the next verse, verse 22. It says, when Jesus heard this, he said to him, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus is continuing to expose his heart. You see what Jesus wants to know from this ruler and what he wants to know from us today, far more than if we're just following a set of rules is do we love him? Do we love Jesus? And y'all, this question changes everything. Think about this ruler. He was a rule follower. He was doing everything he could to earn God's favor. And he had every reason to believe that his doing for God was resulting in blessing because he had everything. It says he was extremely rich. Yet, he still comes up to Jesus and asks, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why would he ask this question? It's because even in his rule following, even in all his possessions, something greater was still missing. Maybe you're like this ruler and you've been trying to keep God's law in order to earn his favor. You've been reading the Bible. Maybe you've been praying more. Maybe every time you get in the car, you flip on K-Love. Because you believe that if you just do more things for God, then he'll love you more and bless you more. But like the ruler, something is still missing. You see, brothers and sisters, the reality is that we weren't created to obey God in order to earn love and blessings from him. We were created to obey God because we have already received eternal love and eternal blessings from him. Jesus standing in front of this ruler is a living, breathing example of that. And the thing that this ruler was missing, and maybe the thing that you're missing today, is a love for Jesus. You see, when we follow God's rules to earn his love, something will always be missing because we will always fail, we'll always fall short. We'll let ourselves down. We'll feel like we let God down. But here's the good news that I want to tell you today. Jesus is better than you're doing because he frees you from having to be perfect. This is what Romans 8, 1 through 4 says. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. This is the good news of the gospel. It's that Jesus has already done everything for us by living the perfect life that we could never live. He lived the life that we could never live. He, he died the death that we deserve to die, and he was raised back to life. So now, if we place our faith in Jesus, he gives us his perfection, and he takes our shortcomings upon himself. Because of Jesus, God looks at us in all our failings and still sees someone who is righteous, someone who is blameless, and someone who doesn't have to be ashamed. Because of Jesus, we don't have to be like the ruler who did everything he could to earn God's favor, but still lacked one thing, 
Praise God for that news today. And so for you, maybe one of your 2020 resolutions was that you wanted to read the Bible every day for the entire year, which is a great goal, by the way. And so you started the year and you, you got through January and then all of a sudden you hit Leviticus and you missed a couple days in a row. It turned out to be five days in a row, maybe six, maybe seven. Maybe you missed a month of reading the Bible. Maybe you haven't read the Bible in a year and you feel shame for it. I wanna tell you that because of Jesus being perfect for you, you can pick up your Bible today and start again without God being disappointed in you. He wants you to turn back to him. Or maybe your resolution was that you were gonna stop looking at pornography, but you seemingly have dug yourself deeper in than you ever have been before, and you feel hopeless because of it. Brothers and sisters, I wanna tell you that because of Jesus being perfect for you, God is not mad at you. You can confess that sin to, uh, to him today and be totally forgiven of it because Jesus has taken, taken your shortcomings with him on the cross. Or maybe your resolution was that you would be more patient with your spouse or your kids, but being quarantined with them during this pandemic has stretched you to your limit and you feel like you've blown it. Brothers and sisters, because of Jesus being perfect for you, God is not angry at you. In fact, he's been patiently waiting for you just to turn to him and see the love that he wants to give you. Jesus is better than our doing because he frees us from having to be perfect. Because of Jesus, we can look at him in the face and say, good teacher, I haven't kept all of your commandments, but I know that you have. And because you've done that for me, that makes me wanna love you and that makes me wanna obey you. We were created to obey God because he loves us, not to earn his love. And so brothers and sisters, I wanna to say to you, lay your doing down at Jesus' feet today. Lay your doing down at Jesus' feet today. Let's look at this rich ruler's response to Jesus about selling all that he has to follow him. Luke 18, uh, 23 through 27, it says this. But when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Jesus, seeing that he had become sad, said how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Those who heard it said, then who can be saved? But he said, what is impossible with man is possible with God. The next point is this. Jesus is better than our things. Jesus is better than our things. Looking back at verse 23, it says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad for he was extremely rich. Y'all, I wanna take some time here to talk about something that I believe is one of the cleverest and most powerful schemes of Satan today. And that thing, that something is called idolatry. Tim Keller, a famous uh, Christian writer and pastor, wrote an incredible book that I would highly recommend called Counterfeit Gods, in which he writes all about idolatry and how there are so many good things in our life that quickly become God things. And his definition of an idol is this. He writes, if anything becomes more fundamental than God to your happiness, to your meaning in life and identity, then it is an idol. He goes on in the book to talk about some of the biggest idols that we see in our society today. Things such as the idol of love, the idol of success, the idol of power, and last but not least, the idol of money, which we so clearly see in this ruler. 
Y'all, I can't even begin to tell you how much I resonate with some of the things on this list. And I wonder if you can resonate with them too. It seems to me that there are countless things that we are so quick to say, if I just had blank, then I'd be happy. Then I'd be truly happy. If I just had a boyfriend or a girlfriend, then I'd be truly happy. If I just had a bigger Christmas bonus check this year, then I'd be truly happy. If I could just be healthy this year, then I'd be truly happy. For me, what this often looks like is me thinking to myself, honestly, because I'm scared to say it out loud, if I could just have comfort and security, then I'll be happy. But the Bible defines these things as idols. Because when we say, if I, if I could just have blank, then I'll be happy, we make them more important to us than God. What we're effectively saying is that God simply isn't enough to make me happy. I need something else. And so here is this ruler looking at Jesus Christ in the face, and Jesus says to him, sell all your things and come and follow me. The things I've created in the first place, get rid of those, and I'll give you myself to follow. Y'all, let me, let me just explain a little bit more clearly like what is happening here. God in human flesh is standing in front of this man saying, come and follow me. Y'all, this is an incredible offer. And I, I've been racking my brain over this ruler's response. It says that he turns away sad. He turns away sad because of the, the possessions that he had, because he was extremely rich. He had God himself telling him to come and follow him, but he turns away sad because his things were more fundamental than God to his happiness, his meaning in life, and his identity. I wonder, I wonder what your response would be if you were in this ruler's shoes. You know, you have Jesus standing in front of you. A lot of signs have been done through him. You've been hearing that he's been teaching people really profound things, that he's been performing miracles. He started to gain a little bit of a following, and these people are traveling with him from town to town, and they're claiming that he's the Messiah. And honestly, you kind of want to believe him. And now he's standing right in front of you, and you have this opportunity to ask him a question. And so you ask him the very best question that you can think of. How can I inherit eternal life? And Jesus lays the hammer. Sell all that you have and follow me. In that moment, you think back to your lush palace, your land, your animals, your money, your relationships, your status. You have no idea uh, where you're going to go with him. You'd be leaving behind everything you know, and your life would now be in this man's hands. He's telling you to follow him. Would you do it? Are you gladly leaving behind all that you have to follow Jesus into an uncertain, unclear, and uncomfortable territory? Or are you walking away sad like the ruler back to your comforts? If I had to guess, I believe that many of us would probably be turning away sad because we, like the ruler, don't actually believe that it would be better for us to follow Jesus into this uncertain, unclear, and uncomfortable territory versus the comforts and pleasures that we have back at home. Idolatry blinds us. It keeps us from following Jesus, and therefore, it keeps us from entering the kingdom of God because it makes us believe that the things that we have are better and more satisfying than Jesus. That's why Jesus says how difficult it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. 
For it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Idolatry blinds us. Friends, I want to ask you this question right now. I want you to be honest with yourself. What is that thing right now that's more important to you than God? What, if it was stripped away from you today, would rob you of your happiness, your meaning, and your identity? For this ruler, it was that he was extremely rich. He had possessions. And it kept him from following Jesus. Maybe for for you, you feel the same way, like your money and your possessions are that thing. Maybe it's a relationship that you're in or a, a relationship that you want to be in. Maybe it's your job that's become more important to you than anything else. Maybe it's your comfort or your image. Maybe it's an addiction. Brothers and sisters, I want to declare to you today that Jesus, the one who is calling this ruler and the one who is calling you is better than everything that you have. Jesus is better than everything that you have. He's better than our money because money promises us freedom, but constantly leaves us longing for more. But Jesus gives us freedom in its fullest because he frees us from sin and death and gives us eternal life through his spirit. Through Jesus, God himself becomes our inheritance. Jesus is better than your relationships and even your marriage because he is the only one who truly knows the deepest places of your heart, the places that we don't even know. And he still loves you for exactly who you are. We are fully known and fully loved, not by a significant other, but by Jesus. Jesus is better than your possessions because ultimately all of the things that we have are one day going to be eaten up by moths and rust. They stay here when we die, but Jesus promises us an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. He promises us eternity with him in a place that is far better than this with heavenly treasure. And this one might hit home with some of you. Jesus is better than our five-year plan that we cling to so tightly because we have everything mapped out perfectly in our lives. And we get so worked up over this plan, but the reality is that we have no idea what next year is going to look like. That's 2020 in a nutshell. But Jesus makes known to us the path of life. He's the good shepherd who makes us lie down in green pastures and leads us beside still waters. And so when our hands are open to Jesus, when our love for him precedes all of these things, our five-year plan, our relationships, our possessions, even when things like 2020 happen, We can still have peace because our good shepherd is leading and guiding us and he's not leaving us and he won't let us down and he's not subject to change. He's the same yesterday and today and forever. Jesus is better than our things. And because he is better than all of our things, we can confidently lay our idols down at his feet and follow him. The ruler turned away sad to his possessions that would never satisfy him nor save him. And that was the end of his story. But I urge you, brothers and sisters, look and see the one who was calling this ruler, this same person, the same God, Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. He is calling you to lay your idols down today and to follow him 
And although it may appear that this is uncertain, unclear, and uncomfortable territory, God promises us that there is no territory that is more clear, more certain, and more satisfying than in the presence of Jesus. Jesus is better than our things. And so, brothers and sisters, I urge you, lay them down at his feet today. And that brings me to my last point, which is this. Jesus is better than our lives. Jesus is better than our lives. Let's look at the last two verses in Luke 18. Verse 29, it says, And Peter said, See, we have left our homes and followed you. And he, said to, and he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. After seeing this ruler walk away disappointed, Peter looks at Jesus and is like, hey Jesus, we've given up everything for you. What about us? And if you look back in the Bible and see when Jesus calls Peter, He calls him to drop his fishing nets and follow him. And Peter was a fisherman, and so his net was the very thing by which he made a living by. It was the way that he ate. It was the way that he made money. It was the way that he provided for his wife and his family. But you see, when Jesus called him, Peter knew who was calling. Peter was the one who, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you're the Christ of God. Peter knew that Jesus was better than everything that he had. But here in this moment, it's almost like he needed a reminder of why it was worth it for him to have dropped everything for Jesus. And I wonder if there are some of you listening to this right now who can relate to this. You feel like you've dropped everything for Jesus and things have been hard and you're wondering why it's worth it. I want want you to listen to the, the words of Jesus that he speaks to Peter and that he speaks to you in verses 29 and 30. It says, and he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come eternal life. Praise Jesus. Jesus says to Peter and he says to you, what you have given up for me, I will give you far more. Not only in this life now, which I will, but in eternity with me. Brothers and sisters, for those of you who have given up your lives like Peter to follow Jesus, let these words go deep inside your soul today and remind you of the God that you serve. There is a rich reward awaiting you. Whether you are experiencing the joy of the Lord in a new and fresh way, or whether 2020 has been the hardest year of your life, take heart. Fix your eyes again on the one who has promised you a rich inheritance now and and in his eternal kingdom. On the one who has risen from the grave, on the one who is coming back again and will redeem you and give you a new body. Take heart. Fix your eyes on Jesus. This is the God that you serve. And for those of you who identify more with the ruler and you feel like you've been holding back from giving up everything to follow Jesus, you also let these words go deep inside your soul. You see what Jesus is doing here is he's, he's not only encouraging Peter, but he's finally answering the rich ruler's question of what must I do to inherit eternal life? The answer is give your life to Jesus. Jesus says in Luke 12, 23 and 24, 
if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his, his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. If you identify with this ruler, I wanna call you to lay your life down to Jesus today. There's no better time for you to do that than right now. He's been waiting for you patiently, and he's ready to give you far more than this world has to offer. He's ready to give you himself. He's done everything for you. And so place your faith in him today and receive this gift of eternal life that he has for you. I urge you, I urge you, don't walk away sad. Jesus is calling you right now. Turn to him, lay these things down at his feet and experience the joy that there is when the Holy Spirit comes and lives within you and seals you for eternity. I urge you to give your life to Jesus today. He's better than your doing. He's better than your things. And he's better than your life. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you are better. You are so much better than everything that we have here on this earth. The things that we see here and now, we know that they're passing away, but you have given us a hope. You've given us a true hope that those who believe in you are filled with your spirit and will be with you one day in eternity. God, thank you for that hope. Thank you for saving me. God, thank you for showing me that you do satisfy. You, you satisfy in the deepest places of my heart. And so I pray for those listening right now, Lord, who are convicted and who want to give their life to you, but they, they see these things in front of them that are holding them back. Or maybe for those who, who've been doing for you because they wanna earn your favor. God, I pray that they would just see Jesus standing right there and would say, I can give all of this to you, Jesus. Pray that they would place their faith in you today. We love you, Jesus. We'll pray this in your name, amen.